On today's episode of the Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast, I'm joined by one of the OGs of Texas high school strength and conditioning and, and one of the best people uh, and resources that I've come to know over the last few years and very thankful for that. And that's Coach Reb Brock. Uh, he is now over at Harker Heights, uh, reunited with his son. Uh, so I can only imagine how much greater those those young people are going to be because of two Brocks uh, patrolling the weight room and and the sideline. And so I, I look forward to uh, to watching you guys do great things. So, Coach Brock, thanks for taking the time to come hang and, and chop it up with me. Well, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. And, uh, I always I always enjoy sharing and talking and stuff like that. And uh, when we get we see each other at those planks, we usually sit and visit about this, that, and chicken fat. So I like to I like to get those ideas going. Absolutely, absolutely. When uh, how how ahead of it did you know that Logan was going to come over before uh, for it all transpired? Were you kind of a little bit behind knowing? No. Uh, Kind of strange when uh, Coach Humble came in. He, you know, he didn't know any of us. I, he and I had a couple of. He had played at Clay High School, and uh, back when they won the state title, and uh, he was when he was a senior, a good friend of mine. Well, actually, when he was a junior and on the state championship team, and then his senior year, good friend of mine was a couple years behind him, an offensive lineman. Uh, Chris Morgan, who's now the offensive line coach for the Chicago Bears. And uh, so, we, you know, we had Chris in common. And then uh, my very first job in Texas when I first moved here from coaching college was at Lawrence High School. And the, the guy who got the job, he had just gotten the job. He was allowed to bring one person in with him. Uh, he interviewed me, uh, didn't know me from Adam, interviewed me, brought me in. His name was Kim Harris, or is Kim Harris. Uh, he's no longer coaching, uh, but he'd come off of uh, Bomar's staff, and he was the offensive line coach for that state championship team. So Coach Humble knew him, and and uh, of course, Kim and I have a, had a strong relationship with me being one of his first hires or his first hire. And so he and I, Coach Humble, and I were just talking in the hallway, you know, talking about Chris, and and then of course he knew all the brothers. You know, Garrett Morgan coached for us; he was our D line coach at Cove, and then he wound up. Uh, being one in three or four rings at uh, at uh, with uh, Coach Surratt at uh, Carthage, he was the defense coordinator there. So we we had people in common, and we were just sitting out in the hall talking and everything. And he said, "I understand you have a son that coached." I said, "Yeah, he coaches for uh, Coach Southern over at Huntsville, and we were going through all that." And he said, "Well, would he be interested in moving this way?" And I said, "You know, I really don't know." I said, "He's got a great situation where he's at." Uh, you know, he gets paid well. He's got a good classroom situation. He's in a really good place. Uh, I said, he's looking, his next move will be to be a coordinator. And he said, okay. Well, then I guess he talked to a couple of, talked to Coach Richie on our staff, who's our defense coordinator, who head coach with me, been my DB coach at Cove. And he knows Logan, and, and especially through powerlifting and stuff. And I guess he visited with him and he, he did some calling around and he, he and I were meeting a little bit later, a couple of days later, and he said, would, would he be interested in the office coordinator position? I said, I'm, I'm sure he would. I said, you'll have to ask him. And I gave him his contact information. And he reached out to him and, and uh, 
wind up working out. So, uh, you know, it was kind of, I, I kind of was part of the process, but it was, he was looking for somebody who was really allowed just to bring one or so people in because of the, the teaching fields and stuff. And he, you know, I guess he researched Logan a little bit and found out that kind of what, that he, what he was looking for. So. That's, and that's awesome to have. It's always nice to have family, you know, nearby and, um, you know, just being able to, to bounce ideas off of people you trust. Um, and I'm sure that, you know, he, he will be a, a huge asset to you in the weight room as we were talking, uh, before we, we officially began, you know, a lot of times football coaches can be kind of the, the bane of a strength coach um, because you have so many football coaches that used to lift or, you know, they've been at this place or that place and we did it this way. And, um, you know, they always want to kind of follow the, these um, military and very disciplined type things, but yet they don't always exemplify the things that they're talking about um, in the weight room, right? They don't, they may not coach as hard or, or they may not um, be a, a, as demanding as they would be at their position on the field. Um, but when you bring in somebody like your son who, who has experienced all the, all the things that you have as far as coaching uh, but then has also been able to make a name for himself. I can only imagine that the Harker Heights football program only gets that much better to have an additional set of of Brock quality eyes uh, to to scrutinize the movement and what's going on. Not to say that you haven't already done a great job, um, but when you get that extra set of eyes and that extra set of help, um, particularly at at such a developmental age in the training process of, of a young person it can only imagine it, it probably brings you a little bit of sense of relief and probably lets you feel like you can coach a few more extra years. Well, it definitely, you know, and, uh, you know, you hit a couple of things right there. You know, I told when I, when I first got to Harper Heights in 2021 and, and uh, I, Jerry Edwards was a really great, he's a great boss to work for in the regards. He, he didn't really mess with me. The only thing that he and I didn't always agree on was I like to throw a yoga session in there when I can tell the guys are, are needing it and they talk to me about needing it and stuff. And, you know, he was still a little bit old school to him. He didn't, the yoga didn't make a lot of sense, but he, you know, he still let me handle my business. And, and uh, but I told him one time we were sitting there and we were talking about some other coaches in our district because um, after my first year here, uh, because we were trying to get aligned with uh, the, program at Mary Harden Baylor, they have an internship program because they're doing a, an NSCA strength and conditioning uh, degree. And so we had met, we'd met with all the big wigs over from uh, Mary Harden Baylor, uh, uh, Dr. Wilburn, who's about to, he's a pre, uh, the president-elect position of the NSCA right now, uh, but he and DJ Tripoli, who's in charge of the internship program, they came over and they, they had asked reached out to me about doing it. And so I connected with the right people and we were in a meeting and, and, uh, Blaine was like, you know, our Dr. Buckley was, she was excited about it and, you know, Hey, we can get all these interns. And he, and he said, well, not exactly. You, know, you have to, they have to be supervised by a CSCS. And she said, okay. And, and he pointed at me and said, he's the only one in the district. And she was like, uh, well, 
they've been working to try and push that through. Well, after that comment right there, she looked at uh, Mr. Wells, our, our athletic director, and he explained that he'd been trying to get it through as well. And within about five weeks, every high school, the position was approved by the district, and every high school had a full-time strength and conditioning coach position available. No teaching responsibilities, no. And so, uh, anyway, you know, we have the, my position had been kind of a handshake agreement between uh, Coach Edwards and our principal. And, but it created, then when they created that, then I was, I was never in the classroom, but it took me to a different deal. It was on an administrative scale and whatnot. But he and I were meeting about, because the other coaches were, were having trouble finding strength coaches. And I said, well, I said, you understand why, don't you? I said, now, you're really good, Jerry. You, you let me do what I need to do, and, and you hired me to do a job, and you, you let me do it. A lot of these guys, these, these football coaches, they think, you know, because they've always done it or whatever, and they do what they do, that they know better than a guy that does that does it full time. I said, you know what a, a strength coach's worst nightmare is, don't you? And he kind of looked at me and goes, well, sure. And I said, the football coach that thinks he knows what he's doing in the weight room. And he kind of looked kind of, you know, like, I said, let me tell you something. I said, every job I've ever had, I've been not only a football coach, but the strength coach at every job since I started in 1985. I said, and it wasn't until 2018 when I left Copper's Cove and went to Del Valley as a full-time strength coach that I became the strength coach that I could be. I said, because when you're a defense coordinator or position coach or you're teaching four classes and you're doing this, that, and all the other things, you can't, you can't research, you can't study, you can't learn, you don't have time, especially if you got family and stuff like that. I said, so when I went, and I said, and I wasn't probably as good a defense coordinator or whatever either, or teacher, because you've got so many things going. I said, but when I went to Del Valley, and that's all I did when I was done programming for the day and I was done – I had a break between my my athletic periods. I was watching YouTube. I was reading. You know, that, that year I read uh, The System. I read uh, uh, Gray Cook's book, Athletic Movement. I mean, I, I read every day. And uh, I said, I became so much better. And I said, so, but when you get, so you got a, a football coach that's going to try and tell me how to do my business when that's what I do. I said, that doesn't make any sense. And he he agreed. But that you see that you get that a lot. So you get, like you said, when we were talking earlier, you know, you get you get guys that are passionate. If you get them and they're passionate and they're willing to listen to your what your concepts are and know, hey, this is your program. How can I help make it better? You're in good, you're in great shape. But if you get that guy that thinks he knows better than you and he's trying to do his thing and he's using his terminology and not your terminology, the kids get confused and it gets to be a mess. And that's why. I always, when we were at Cove, it was great because we were a developmental program and you were responsible for developing your guys. So, like, you know, if you can't, some places, well, the offense gets all the good athletes. Well, that's your fault. You get what you got, you develop them the best you can, get them stronger, faster, whatever. And so the guys that coached for me defensively, they knew that was never an excuse. I, if they came up and said, well, we don't have, I said, I don't care that. We got guys. And so our guys may not have been receiver quality, you know, as a receiver, they couldn't maybe catch as well, but we had guys, our guys were faster, stronger, because we developed. And so uh, 
I'm big on having what I call weight room guys. And when I was at Del Valley, I, you know, I told uh, Coach Burton this. I said, you know, when he's looking to hire somebody, I'd look at the resume and I'd talk to him stuff. He'd always have me in on the interviews. And, I, and I'd say, oh, you know, hey, this guy's a good weight room guy. Hey, this guy's a eh. – finally he said, what do you mean by weight room guy? And I explained to him, it's a guy that knows his way around the weight room, that is a great technician, because I believe this. If you're not a good technician in the weight room, you're not a good technician on the football field or the basketball court or wherever you're at. You're just a guy teaching whatever, just getting by. You have to be a technician. And it's the same with a kid. If the kid's not, doesn't have good work ethic and is not focused and is not a technician in the weight room, they're not on the football field, they're not in the classroom, and, and they're probably not as good as they could be. So it all goes the same way. So I'm big on weight room guys, you know, and, and those are guys that are going to come in and have a passion for it and not just have a passion to, you know, sling a bunch of weight around, but they're going to have a passion to be great teachers of technique. I think that's that's very important, and I like the point <clears throat> that you made regarding a kid and their their attention to technique in the weight room. Because it's it if they're going to put attention to technique in the weight room, then yeah, it, more than likely they're going to put it to other places um, because there's there's a lot that can go wrong quickly in a weight room at risk of injury. Not to say that there there isn't on the court or on the field, but you, you kind of have to have that external push pull or whatever on the court. Right. Uh, obviously the, the, the non-contact knee injuries occur from, from the surface and, and the footwear. Um, but there's also a component that was potentially missing in the weight room that did not help prevent that injury or, or mitigate the the potential for injury um you know and if if they're putting in time technically in the classroom their grades are going to improve right which means they're going to continue to be able to have more time um because they're going to uh, to play because they're going to be available compared to some of their peers that that are going to be ineligible so you know and I, and I, I think as we continue to push fundamentals and, 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 you know, or if you are a program that pushes fundamentals over just putting up big numbers for the sake of putting up big numbers, uh, I, I think that's where you're going to see a greater return on investment um, over the course of, of, of a program's history and, and particularly a, uh, an incoming classes, uh, you know, four year success. I, I think too many times we get, sucked into producing a positive result in a very short amount of time. And we, we risk uh, too much, both from a career and a, and a health standpoint, whether it's the health of our athletes or the health of our own uh, selves, just for the sake of a win. And, and, you know, I think part of that is also on the administration um, and, you know, the school board and, and the community that puts, an abundant amount of pressure on, on somebody that's working with teenage kids. And we tend to forget how, how little we actually knew as a teenager, regardless of, you know, who raised you or where you grew up. Well, you know, you look at it like back in the old Soviet Union and the Eastern Bloc countries, you know, they, they used athletics 
and military might to portray their the, that their lifestyle was so much better than the West. And so, you know, they started developing athletes younger and, and we didn't have, you know, back in the seventies and eighties, our focus around here was like on heart health or this or that. There wasn't like they were studying, you know, athletic development. And so like when all the, when the wall came down and all the, everything started coming over, you know, Roshansky and Matiev and those people, they started getting to come West and talk, you know, Tudor Bampa moved to Canada and, and Zatyorsky's at, uh, or I don't know if he still is or not, but he was a professor at Penn State, and he had been one of the top Soviet scientists, you know, and he wrote the book, The Science and Practice of Strength Training, which Louis Simmons then read and took what they had done in the Soviet Union with weightlifting and converted to what's now known as the West Side Method. And he'll tell you, if you ever listen to old Louis in there on his early things, he'll tell you he got that from the book, The Science and Practice of Strength Training. And, uh, and he modified it and adapted it for powerlifting. Uh, that's where the accommodation, you know, the your max effort, dynamic effort, your volume, that's where those came from. And so, but in Zasworski, one of the things that he said in back in those days, not just him, but all of them, they believed in long-term athletic development. So uh, to develop an athlete took between uh, eight and 12 years. So, you know, to become from beginner to elite. And so you think about it with us it, the, in Texas. Now, other places, it's different because they don't put the emphasis on athletics. But in Texas, you've got them. You got pre-athletics in sixth grade. You got seventh grade athletics, eighth grade, ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th grade, 12th grade. There's seven years. So there's seven years that you can is I know uh, Monty always talks about slow cooking, uh, slow cook or slowly develop long-term athletic development of our young athletes and not try and rush it. But to do that, you have to, you have to have uh, the people to do it and there has to be consistency and there has to be, you have to have a plan in place. And that's what, you know, that's one thing that, that I was blessed when I was with coach Welch at Coppers Cove. We were, I really, we were a developmental program. So like, I had guys at the junior high that had played who had, who I had taught to lift weights because they played for us and they'd gone on to college and then they'd come back and they were our coordinators and our coaches at the junior high and they were great technicians, especially in the Olympic lifts and squats and whatnot. And so, I mean, it was, it was not uncommon for me to have kids come in, uh, doing cleaning 200 plus pounds with great technique from our junior highs as incoming freshmen because they had been taught well. Um, and so that's the, to me, that's the whole key in, in our game, what we do. And that's one thing that in clean, it's a little bit different because you don't have as much control over the junior high. So I'm really getting them as square one as freshmen. So I'm having to, I'm having to do, you know, modify my, my plan that I've used over the years. But you, I mean, movement. We're move, we're still to this day though. We're movement first. I don't I don't care about how much weight's on the bar. I care about are you moving? If you don't, and and they all kids today. They all want to see themselves on social media. I have. If you're not Twitter worthy, you ain't going on there. I don't care how much weight you think you can lift or whatever. So you know, and I got that kind of came up with that term down at at Del Valley because I had some kids. Why can you never put me on on there? And I said because you ain't Twitter worthy. 
You know, your technique's not. And so next thing you know, what? guess what they're doing? Hey, coach, watch this. Is this better? Blah, blah, blah. They wanted to get, they wanted to become technicians because they wanted that dopamine hit being on Instagram or Twitter or whatever. So that's a really a great tool for us as high school coaches. But if you put, if you post this garbage on there, then you're reinforcing bad technique. If you demand that they do good things, like you'll, you won't see very many posts that I make where you'll like, say, for example, they starfish are clean. I, I won't put it on there. Uh, now they're still kids and they're still, you know, they're a work in progress, but I, I want good quality technique. I don't want people going, what's he teaching, you know? And so to get there and, that, and that's helped me because they want to become better technicians. And then now you move more efficiently you're less risk of injury and you're going to get stronger, you know? And so that's what we're doing right now. I'm and having Logan come in, like you'd mentioned earlier, you know, he started, I've been, I've been, this program has been in ball or been in development since about, oh, actually probably the late nineties. And then it really, I really kicked it into gear when I went to Del Valley because I had time to, to get back and study and, but it's basically the, the program that's in place has been pretty much the same since 04. Uh, and Logan's been a part of it since then. So he knows how it works. Uh, and he's a great technician in the weight room. And so it's going to be great having him help me. That's for sure. You know, it, um, <clears throat> you're, you're one of the, I think you're one of the, the, I don't want to say one of the few. But you're one of the coaches that I know that still hangs their hat on Olympic lifting and its place in in your program. Why is that? And and you know, I, and I know we talked um, before we officially started. You know, not everybody not everybody learns a clean, uh, depending on the program, um, obviously. But you know, there is there's a reason why you're still using it. Um, and you believe in its effectiveness. Otherwise you would, you wouldn't do it at all. So I'm just curious as to why, why you're one of the few that, that I know of, uh, comparatively, um, versus others that may just kind of dabble in it. Well, you know, if you go back and you look at, you know, some jar, John Garhammer's work, Dr. John Garhammer, he's, he's old, really older and a lot older now, but he was back, you know, he was one of the early strength and conditioning coaches in the, you know, in the NSCA and in big and USA, we lift in and a lot of your videos of like back in the day, like Alexiev and those, the greats of the back in the seventies, eighties, he was the one videoing those at meets and he would analyze, he was a, a biomechanics specialist at Long Beach state. And, but he, you know, he found, so you look at uh, what produces the most power. Well, got bench squat deadlift that are common back because they back in those days in this country everybody was kind of big power lifting and there's still some that are but olympic lifting became more prevalent in development of athletes because prior back in the 70s and 80s the people that primarily did olympic lifting as part of their training were track athletes and then really the first football guys to really do it were, was husker power boyd epic and Boyd Epley was a track athlete prior to becoming the strength coach at Nebraska. He was a pole vaulter. Um, and so you look at the, you look at that. If you look at back at Garhammer's work where he showed that, so like 
you know, the bench and the squat and the clean, they or bench squat and the deadlift, they develop so many watts of power. Well, the clean develops double that. And then a snatch develops more than the clean. And then a jerk develops more than anything. The jerk develops more power, puts has power, higher power outputs than any lift at all. So, and yet, and you'll have people, you know, like say, well, you can throw a med ball, you know, the underhead med ball or throw it over your head or whatever, or you can do trap bar deadlifts and all that. They don't develop them. They, they don't, I have not seen, and maybe some of the newer stuff, but the power output of the Olympic lifts is superior to any other movement. And so that's why I believe. And then anecdotally, I saw it from my, from Logan. My oldest son, all my kids, but he was the oldest and he started first. So he was just a, he was a quarterback slash wide receiver in junior. And he was, you know, he was a late bloomer and he wasn't super fast. He wasn't great at super athlete. He was a good athlete, great baseball player, but he wasn't very big. But he was the seventh grade district champion in the shot. And he placed the second in distance. In eighth grade, he was the eighth grade district champion. In ninth grade, he was the ninth grade district champion. So I don't know if you remember, if you were around here, you remember a guy that he played at Bryan High School, then he went and started at A&M at guard as a true freshman, a guy named Evan Ike. He played uh, at Bryan High School. I, I don't. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a born and raised Houston boy, uh, but actually, you know, some of that history is is one of the one of my uh, lesser uh, abilities. I wish I was better with knowing history. Um, you know, I was, I was the only one that was really, a. I, I'm the only one in my immediate family that's a coach and a teacher. Um, so it's like, I'm always trying to learn the history. Um, but, but yeah. So Evan Ike is a 16 year old sophomore who was about six one, two hundred sixty five 265 pounds, had a full beard. And it was not a, it was a, Looked like a grown man. His freshman, Logan beat him in shotgun, weighing 170 pounds. Is a sophomore, Logan beat him in shotgun. Is a junior, Logan was the varsity, was the district champion in shotgun. Is a is any placed in the in the uh, distance, which regionals for for both. Is a, a senior, he was district champion again, and he went to regionals in both. And as a senior, he weighed 210 pounds. And he whipped guys, these 265, 200, whipped them like a dog in the shot. And I have no doubt that he was fast across the ring, but he could extend. He he could only bench about 275 as a senior, but he could clean over 300. And that triple extension, you know, so I've seen that firsthand. Uh, and his brothers were the same way. All, all of his brothers were district champions in the shot. Now, they – all he did was shot and disc. His brothers, uh, Tanner was a district champion shot, placed in the discus, placed in the 110s, district champion in 300 hurdles, and ran the anchor on the mile relay. He could do both. My youngest, Cooper, who was defense was ran the open quarter and was district champion in the shot put and placed in the discus and ran on the mile relay. But they all, they could all clean. And they, you know, so I've just been a big, in, in the teams I've coached did, we weren't as big as people we played, but we could roll our hips. Does that, does that make sense? Absolutely. Uh, that's why I've been, that's why I still, I'm a, I'm a big proponent. Now, 
if you don't believe in it, somebody doesn't believe in it, and they believe in doing the other things, that's okay. You know, you, you got to go with what you believe. I know what I believe, and through my training and stuff like that, I know what I've seen, and, and I'm going to stay with that until I don't see it anymore. What is um, – talk us through a little bit of your your clean progression um, a, as it is today. I, I'm sure it hasn't changed a whole lot, but, uh, you know, obviously you're you're somebody that never stops learning, and we talked about that, and you, you've highlighted that. So I'm sure you've made modifications over the years as you've seen your, your different – kids um not yours personally um your sons but you know the ones that you work with at school um and you've seen what their their level of kinesthetic awareness and and um mechan- body mechanic ability you know where where is your clean progression today compared to you know when you kind of first started or you know right after you got the first time you got USAW certified? Well, probably the biggest thing I've seen since then, there's a couple things that affect the body that make it tough. So it's tough to, to, to do a clean if you can't catch, if you can't get your elbows up and catch it. Well, since I say, since this, even since I've been in Texas, the thing that's happened that's changed everything is the cell phone. So, for good and for bad. So the bad part is kids are constantly sitting at their desk and they're texting or they're sitting at somewhere and they're texting. So their backs, they have kyphosis in their upper back. Their teeth fine. It gets real tight and they get that roll. They're, they're slumped shoulders. Uh, that's a negative. The positive of a cell phone is it's given us video cameras that we can film technique on anything we want and then immediately give uh, feedback to our athletes and show them what they're doing wrong or help us to see what they're doing. But in the negative with that kyphosis, they have a lot of kids would have trouble getting their elbows up. And so then you hear kids, my wrist hurt. Well, the wrist hurt because they can't get their elbows up enough to re- let that bar rest on the fingertips and across the anterior deltoid. So when I went, when I went straight strength conditioning, I started looking a lot more at CrossFit and all that kind of stuff. And one thing that brought that CrossFit brought to strength and conditioning was mobility and stability. You got people like Greg Cook and uh, Aaron Horshig at Squat University and uh, uh, Kelly Starrett, all those guys that they made, they kind of got their go- themselves going with CrossFit. Well, so I started looking at a lot more mobility stuff. And so uh, the thoracic spine gets tight, which limit, limits your ability to get your elbows up to get in a good receiving position on the clean. Um, and so I, what I do now is I really focus on that thoracic spine mobility. And then the other thing is, what's the one lift that kids are going to do regardless? Bench, bench press. press. Yeah. So bench press is a huge internal rotator. And they're going to do, now we know you need to keep your upper back strong, so they're going to do a lot of rowing, which works the lats. Well, the lats are internal rotators. So when I do this, the lats are tight because the lats run from here. They come up and they attach to the humerus. So that limits me being able to get in a good receiving position. So what I've gone to, on every day that we have a clean day, 
the first thing, first thing we always start with, with our, cause I use a uh, rack performance rack coach, uh, in our, uh, I started using that. I was introduced to it at Del Valley and I still used it at, uh, at Heights, but we start, we've got a somewhere between a six and a half to seven minute mobility stability routine. And it's on the clock, 30 seconds of time. We work on core stability, uh, dead bugs, uh, push up planks, shoulder taps, bird dogs. Then we work hip mobility, uh, internal and external hip rotation. Uh, we work on low back mobility, we learn, work on ankle mobility all through that six to seven minute time. I wish I had longer, but I don't. That's, that's the amount of time I've got that I found to be effective. Then we're going to start our rotation for the day. So let's say the clean is the major lift, first major lift. We're going to do a technical refinement period. That technical refinement period is going to have three things. We're going to do muscle clean, five muscle cleans, Rack it on the fifth one, leave it rack, five deep front squats. That is to reinforce movement and, and mobility. Then we're going to do the T-spine mobility twist to work on that thoracic spine to help with those elbows. And then to loosen those lats, we're going to do a chin-up iso hold. We're going to hold it for 15 to 20 seconds, and then we're going to lower it as slowly as we can without touching our feet until I get full extension. Now I'm gonna hang for a couple seconds after that. Now that lat is being stretched, which also aids me in helping me to get my elbows up to catch it, okay? So I've worked basically to loosen that up and to create good movement patterns with the muscle plane. That's the first thing that we're gonna do. And then if depending where we're at, like if we're moving real well, then we'll just go right into our cleans. But usually set one and when we hit our clean rotation, Set one and two are partial movements. So I got this from uh, watching Jody Vaughn and Chad Vaughn. Uh, if they're placed here in Belton, I go down there usually at least twice a month and watch her train athletes or older people or young girls, kids, whatever. But it, I was there a few years ago, and we were having pro trouble with guys ripping it from the floor, and the bar was away from their body, and they weren't, you know, I was trying to get all those fixed. Well, I watched her do something, and I call it a pause clean. So they're going to pull from the floor, and they're going to pause, and that where normally a hang clean would be right above the knee. They're going to hold that position for 1,001, 1,002, then they're going to clean it. And they're going to go back to the floor and repeat. By, by pulling under control, not gripping and ripping, but pulling under control to that point above the knee, we're, we're, we're keeping the bar in close proximity to the body. I'm working that, tech, that technical aspect. But by pausing right above the knee and keeping that back flat, shoulder over hand, covering the bar, as some people say, and that back in a 45-degree angle, I'm, that's the, that's, that transition point is the weakest point for anybody because their low back's not strong or whatever. So by holding that in that isometric contraction, we're strengthening the weakest point in the movement. So we'll do that. Usually that's set two. Usually set one will be a two pause. So they'll go from the floor to just below the knee, which is another huge transition point. Hold it, 1,001, 1,002, lower back to the floor. Reset, pull to above the knee, 1,001, 1,002, then clean it put it down. I call that a two pause thing. So we're working the two weakest transition points. We're working to elevate the shoulder and the hip 
at the same pace. So I keep that, that 45 degree angle with the bar being covered by the shoulder. So that's, and then, then sets three, four, and five, we roll through whatever we're doing. We're going from the floor, we're going from the floor, however we're doing. Uh, that would be our heavy clean day. On our lighter one, it's a technical day and more bar speed related. So the, the weight, the weight strength, the intensity ranges between uh, more speed strength and strength speed. Now we're just going to do the one pause. We're going to pull above the knee, hold it 1,001, 1,002, and move the bar as fast as we can. Catch it, put it back down, repeat. And that's more of a, a speed day. But I'll even on that day, I start with muscle clean, uh, chin up, iso holds, and T-spine mobility. And that's basically what I do to ensure that we move well and that we've got great technique. How many how many sets and reps on a on a heavy day versus a you know a speed technical day are you going? So on on our heavier day, uh, which I call it my quote max effort day, but it's I mean every any time you're doing a clean, you got to move fast. So it's dynamic effort when you're doing a clean. But my heavier day. We usually do three heavy work sets because that's all I've got time for. Uh, and they'll be sets three, four, and five. Uh, they'll be somewhere, they'll be usually range in the, in the strength speed to absolute, uh, strength, permanent absolute strength, but, uh, accelerative strength range and then may d- delve into the, to the absolute strength, which I don't get into that much with the planes. We're usually, we don't get, into that we rarely go 90 percent you know we're usually somewhere between 75 and 85 percent most of the time on the other day we do four sets and that's on our speed day and we do three we do uh everything's usually a pause or a two pause whatever i choose that day and we're going four sets no more than three reps and we're moving the bar as fast as we can with great technique who's controlling the 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 pause tempo is that you or the, are the kids con- coaching each other on the kids can the kids do it now sometimes if i see them you know they don't they pause just barely pause and they go i'll tell them hey whoa 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 you know the deal thousand and kids have to constantly be reinforced you know but our goal is to hold that pause for a thousand one thousand two then accelerate the bar you ever put them on the stopwatch and do kind of uh, i guess for lack of a better term of you know a bastardized uh vbt well i've got actually have the uh oh i can't think of the i've got two of them i've got the virtue and the uh the other one i've got is the it's oh i can't think of the name of it it's got a red deal but it's move uh can't i can't think of the, what it what it is but it's a you can do verticals with it but you can also do your your training and hook it on the bar and then i've got a I put an iPad in front of them, and then they can see. They don't. They don't go till it tells them to go, and then tells them how fast they're moving uh, meters per second. I do that. I, was, I did it like this last year. I did it with our our running back, uh, Rayshon Sanford. Did it quite a bit with him. Um, our, uh, we had a DB that's going to Arkansas State. It was a hundred meter guy, uh, DeAubrey Hood. I did it with those guys quite a bit because they were they were playing strong. And I did it with them on their squats too, because like Ray was squatting uh, 2.26 times body weight. How much strong, how much heavier does this squat need to get? You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, 
you get to that point, you know, in, in the studies that I've read, you know, anything above your, your top sprinters in the world, they squat somewhere between 1.17 and 2.25 times body weight, and they move it with speed. Uh, anything above that, you have, at most times, you have diminishing returns. You know, you're not, they're getting stronger in the squat, but it's not helping their speed. And so with those guys, I, when they got to that point, we started focusing on, on meters per second and things like that. I don't have the money to get it and do it for everybody. I wish I did. You know, uh, Mark Hoover over in, in uh, Carolina, he's got, you know, his weight room's decked out and he's into that kind of stuff a lot. And he really watches it. I, I just, I haven't been. Dell Valley, we, if I had stayed there, we probably would have had that stuff by then because I could get that kind of things, things there. But you know, I need bumper plates right now, and I don't have those. I need new ones, you know, and I don't have those. So VBTs that way down the list. Yeah, you know, it, it, there's a fine line, I think, between the use of technology and having it and then being able to actually effectively integrate it, right? You see what they do at the collegiate level, but you also forget at the collegiate level, they have multiple people dedicated to interpreting that data in, 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 in real time, or at least in a very short amount of time to turn it over. At the high school level, man, that, that that's... That that does that you're asking one maybe one other person to analyze that data, get it back out, you know, and, and then hopefully that you know the coach that's that's going to review it and and consider, you know, implementing it is is going to listen to you. But there's not always guaranteed case. Um, you know, uh, one of the things that that I hope is, you know, if, if it so becomes a full-time position, there's a way to, uh, and I've taught and I've thought about this and I, and I've kind of broached this subject with our principal and I'm going to kind of try to dive a little bit more into it this summer, but, you know, in essence, creating a sports science type class, right? Um, because there's a growing, sector of that in college. Um, and, and I was talking to the guy at UT um, when UT had their performance clinic uh, back in January. And, uh, you know, I was just like, you know, you've done this for a while. You did it with the Jaguars. But what if you had, you know, high school kids that have been exposed to this uh, and learn this? Because there's there's definitely a lot of academic money floating around out there, and I'm sure that there'll be some grants out there. There's not always a, a, a an exorbitant amount of athletic money unless you've got a deep pocketed booster club, right? Or you you just have a a very gung ho, you know, athletic director or principal, whoever kind of is in charge of those budgets. Uh, and setting them that's that's willing to spend that money. Yeah, it's definitely there's, you know, I I mean, like you said, you heck, you you're teaching classes and coaching the sport or two sports and and trying to and then to do that. I mean, it's and and two uh, the other aspect you could look at. I mean, except for your advanced kids that are probably seniors, 
and only a very small handful of them move well enough for that to be, even be a value, you know? I mean, you know, you have a, you have a handful of kids that, that are pretty good lifters that, you know, maybe they're into that kind of stuff. But most of them, you're still coaching your tail off just to get them to do it right without worrying about, you know, trying to look at data and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. As you have progressed in your in your career, right, one of the things that you've been able to do, aside from just develop better athletes, is develop future coaches. Uh, you talked about how at Cove. You know, you had guys that came back and after learning from you became, you know, coordinators and coaches at the middle school level. And, you know, you've been able to kind of have your, your fingerprints on, on a variety of people across this state. So for you, you know, in this, in this role, uh, at this point in your career, you, you still have the passion to coach on the floor. Um, but you obviously have a passion to improve the quality of coaches and also push for the quality of coach to be um, brought in to schools. Um, so for you, what, what is, what does that mean? What does that look like to also be, you know, I guess, I don't want to say a grandpa per se in, in that, you know, you're, 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 in part, you're, 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 what, you're like, you know, you're just, the, you're Yoda, right? You're the sage imparting wisdom. That's what I'm looking for. Well, you're Obi Wan. Like I said at Cove, you know, it was I, I was defense coordinator, so everybody that was on the defensive staff was my responsibility. Not just on the football field, but if they weren't cutting in the classroom or whatever, I had to make sure that they were getting that straight. If they weren't uh, doing what they need to do in the weight room or whatever, if I didn't get them lined out. My boss was not Coach Welch was not a happy camper. So basically he coached us. And when I say us, I'm talking about he coached myself, Tracy Welch, who was our offense coordinator, and Tracy Rains, who was our academic coordinator. He coached us and then we coached our assistants. And then our assistants coached the kids. And so like I would I would watch the claims and I really still kept a pretty active role in that. But I moved around throughout the room to make sure that everything was being executed as it should be. Uh, and that was my response, one of my responsibilities. Well, uh, because of that, you know, when he hired somebody there, he, I sat in many, many interviews and, and he, one thing that he always said is, I want, I'm looking for a professional coach. And what he meant by professional coach, and he would tell him is, so you think you're just going to come here and coach football? you ain't going to make it. You're a football coach, and then whatever your second sport is, I expect the same kind of effort and intensity, and then I expect the same thing in the weight room uh, and the classroom. And if you're not, so you've been, you're doing a great job out here, and he goes, I rarely see this, but say you're doing a great job here, but you're not doing a good job in the classroom, and they let you go, I'm going to let you go. Or if you're not doing a good job here, I'm going to let you go, and you may think you buddied up with the principal, but that's my spot. They, they can hire you in another spot if they've got it, but otherwise, you're out. I want a professional coach. Professional coach is a good classroom teacher. They're good with their primary sport. They're good in the weight room, and they're good with their secondaries. And when I say good, you're coaching your tail off. And so what, what we had at Cove was you either were a long-timer there 
you made it for years and years and years where you were one or two and done because you couldn't, you couldn't handle the pace. So I was blessed to have guys there. Braden Cover, who's at Maiden Creek now, uh, he was at Huntsville with Rodney after he left our place and he came back as our DC at, at, uh, at uh, Del Valley uh, for a couple of years. Great, great at his coaching. He's great at his duties. Great weight room guy. Uh, uh, Luke Barnes, who's now the DC at, uh, at uh, Granberry, great weight room guy. He was a great position coach. Was great at his duties. Uh, Quentin Posey played for us, and then he's now that he's been at uh, Lake Worth for a while now. But he was uh, Rod Cole's assistant for a couple of years at Carlton. Uh, you know, multiple certifications. One of the smartest guys I know. Missy Mitchell got her to come on board and coach powerlifting with us at Cove, and then kind of guided her as she was learning how to develop programming for her volleyball girls and whatnot. But they, those people, all had a passion, like you talked about earlier. But they took pride in what they did and were really good. And, I, I mean, I could go on. Josh Lyons is at Kilgore, played for us. He's now the, one of the strength guys at Kilgore. Uh, does a good job with football, does a good job with track. Uh, great in the weight room. Dion Tatum down at San Antonio Southside. He runs the program down there. Uh, great linebacker coach. Good in the weight room as well. And uh, uh, Jeremy Shannon was our receivers coach. Really became really good in the weight room. He's the the uh, either receivers or quarterback coach at Bernie. They played for a state title this year. But those guys, every every one of those guys, when they went went somewhere, they would be uh, at that school for a week or two, and then the head coach would come up and say, "Hey, uh, you've been here a couple of weeks, and your guys already left better than everybody that we've got. So uh, you're in charge of the off season program." And they became the strength coaches because they were good at what they did. They knew technique. They understood the, the X's and O's, the sets and reps, uh, enough to do a good job. And when they didn't, they didn't have such an ego that they were afraid to ask. They would get with me, hey, what do I need to do? Or they, you know, they researched uh, Don Miller. He's down. He, he was at Navasota, the D.C., and the strength coach. I mean, I could go on and on, guys that have, have done that. And it's because they just they learned how to do it. And it was – they took – they took pride. I mean, I taught them, but they took pride in what they did, you know, and that's what made them great coaches. You've also become, you know, more and more active with uh, the NHSSCA. Um, so having that resource, you know, and, and I, I think the if, is, if it's already released or it's about to be released is that uh, kind of that strength, that sport, Coach strengths coach certification. Um, talk a little bit about that and, and what the organization means to you. Well, it's kind of funny. I, I sat in, you know, I all for years and years and years. I went to the NSCA uh, uh, coaches conference in January, and uh, I would go there. And then as a coordinator at Cove, we always went to the AFCA, which was the next week. So I would be there for a week, and then I would go pick Jack and Tracy and Tracy up. On Sunday, when they flew in and we stayed for, I, I was gone for like a whole week and it was, it was, it wore me out, but it was a great deal. Well, I'd sit in those meetings and there were the, we, we'd go to these, what was called a SIG, special, special interest group for the NSCA, the high school city special interest group. And we'd go in there every year. We'd talk about, Hey, these are the, the things that we're seeing, the problems. Here's what we need. We got to do something better because 
the NSCA had grown so big that there was not, they, they weren't just about strength coaches. There was therapists and personal trainers and sports science. There was just so many things. And high school coaches were, you know, kind of down at the bottom of the food chain, so to speak. Well, there were these guys in there and they were said, finally, when, you know, I, they were in there every year when I was. And finally they said, I heard, them, you know, said, Hey, we got to heck with this. We got to start our own. Well, they did. Uh, and that was Fred Eves and uh, coach Vanderbush from Ben Davis in Indianapolis, Gary Schofield and Rich Gray. They, they were the founders of the NHSCA. So they founded that in like 2016. And I heard a little bit about it. Well, then I joined in 2017 and, didn't hear much about it going on here in Texas. And then uh, Doug Bull, who I knew, uh, had known for a long time, he was the regional director and he hosted a, a deal down at uh, uh, Deer Park where he was the coach at the time. Uh, he's now an AD at Medina Valley, but uh, went down there and thing. Well, then when he left to go to Corpus Christi ISD as the AD, assistant AD, uh, he gave up the regional director's position and uh, Missy Mitchell Macbeth took it. They asked her to, to do it and she did it. And she came, she asked me, will you help? You know, we need to grow this association. We're the biggest state in the continental United States. And, and we need to, to grow this. Will you help me? And I said, yeah. And so uh, got in there and, and cause it's really all it's doing is growing coaches on a larger scale. And, uh, you know, so many, and really a lot of people don't understand what that's about. You know, the NHSSCA isn't about like me, who's a, a strength coach, and that's what I do. It's really designed to to educate and equip and empower coach, sport coaches that say, for example, you know, so-and-so is the girls' soccer coach, and they she has to do her own programming, or he has to do his own programming. And then you've got a baseball coach, and he has to do his own programming. It's for those people to learn what they need to do to develop a program to help their sport team is really what it's about. And so we've really been trying to grow the association and, and get out education and stuff. And we have our state clinic every year. And I, I think it's, it's been really good. We've done, this will be our third one that we've done. And um, always have a good keynote speaker and we always have some really good speakers. And we try to, we try to get, you know, not just be, you know, a bunch of 6A coaches or whatever, but, you know, we had Alan Abel, who was, who's been at Crawford for a number of years. We've had, uh, this year we've got Felicia Brock, who's at College Station High School. Tremendous, tremendous coach. Uh, you know, of course, Missy's been, she's speaking. Um, we've just had different people like that, but we have them from various levels. Carlos, uh, Clore from down at San Benito speaking this year. And I mean, he's, he's kind of a legend down in the valley. You know, he's got a huge facility. Uh, they've been pretty good in all their sports. And he's been, you know, he's been kicking out programming down there for a number of years. So we try to get people from a diverse backgrounds, different classifications, men, women, and try and get as much of that as we can. So it's not somebody saying, well, you know, I'm at, I'm at, uh, Lawrence High School and this guy's talking, what he does at, at Allen and he's got, you know, 32 racks. I don't have, you know, I don't have 32 feet. How does that help me? So we try to really do a good job of, of spreading the wealth out as far as numbers 
and, and uh, classifications and getting good quality folks in there to speak that the high school coach can relate. That's awesome. Now I look forward to uh, <coughs> to trying to get down there this year and uh, certainly, um, you know, just being able to, to continue to foster relationships with, with, with you and a lot of the coaches that you've already listed off just because they're great resources. You know, one of the, one of the best things that, that I can say has come out of the last three years is just the ability to exchange information and connect with so many people, even the ones that you don't always agree with from a, a thought process. You can at least see their thought process, ask questions, and, and there's just the access to information um, is just wonderful. And, it, and there's so much just free quality information, not even to mention, you know, the, the additional what you can get to, um, you know, for certain nominal fees. But you know, a lot of the people that uh, the charge still put out great stuff for free. Um, it may just take a minute to look through and find what you're looking for, but you pretty much find it on a variety of platforms. Well, you've done, you know, you're a big part of that too with Iron Speed Chat. I mean, you know, you got people now from all across the country that, that, you know, post in on that every Sunday and share ideas and stuff. And I mean, you know, I've got, I, that's actually where I got to, to know Mark Hoover. And then, you know, he and I actually met at THSCA last year for the first time. We're actually at the Geek Day out there after the NHSSCA, but he was at THSCA and he and I sat and visited and we'd been, we'd visited on Twitter. And I think first thing, first place we saw was on Iron Speed Chat, but, you know, shared ideas. And then uh, there's, there's a number of coaches, you know, that are from across the country that are, that, you know, I've reached out to and we share ideas and, and a lot of that started because, you know, they participate in your, on your, uh, I'm not even sure what that, what it's called, but, you know, on the, on your Twitter, on the speed chat, because, it's just, it's good, you know, and, and you, and what's good about that is like, there's, there's so many, a variety of questions that are asked. So like, if it applies to you, you can chime in. If it doesn't apply to you, then you don't, uh, you know, there's times where, you know, I'll answer questions one, one, three, and four, and two didn't really apply to me. So, you know, there's no need just to be spouting off stuff when you don't have, when, you know, when you don't need to, but, you know, the, the stuff that applies, you get some good, good ideas, you know, and, Ryan Johnson up in Minnesota, and I mean, it's all those guys that are that participate. And that would, you know, you started that, and I haven't really gotten since I'm not doing football anymore. I haven't gotten in your um, the disruption chat. You know, I've read a little bit of it, and, and I know like Josh Lyons, who played for us. I mentioned him earlier. He's he's in there sometimes, and he, I tell you what, he's good. He wants to be an offensive guy. I don't know why he wants to go to the communist side, but but he's a really good D line guy. Uh, yeah. and was in high school and, and, uh, you know, and he's coaching it now. He does a great job at Kilgore, but I see, read some of the stuff that he posts in there and, and, you know, it's, it's been good that, you know, you do that, you provide that service. You know, it's kind of like, Oh, uh, he was one of my guys for a long time. And now he's, he does that. I think he's part of that mentor rock mentorship, Ryan Landrum. Uh -huh. He started the deal on Twitter. I can't remember. And there's a, where there's Google docs, but you know, shoot Lando, man, he was a, he played for us at Cove and, 
And then he came back and coached, and he had been an offensive guy, and I hired him to coach uh, freshman DBs and whatnot, and he did. And, and then he's gone on. He was, you know, had a successful career at uh, Midlothian, and then he's at Harmony now, and I think he's back at Midlothian now. But, but you know, all that, you know, you guys doing that kind of stuff has really helped, especially the younger coaches, because it's this different, you know, it's a kind of a different setting than it was when I was coming. So. Yeah, well, I appreciate it, and I, I sincerely appreciate uh, the consistency when with which you participate. Um, you know, on our Sunday night one uh, of the two, the Sunday night has has grown the most. Um, the Tuesday one, it's there, um, but there are times where I'm. I'll be honest, I'm I'm not as fully invested. Um. It just seems that there's just a lot going on, and, and I don't get as much traction. But I also I also understand that it is it's an avenue for young coaches to to interact with. Um, the deal with with Sunday is uh, it's interesting because like uh, Chris Romano, right, will will chime in whenever I say I'm not I'm not having it for whatever reason, and he's like, oh, I. I I was able to participate live, you know, and, and I think that's one of the best things is, uh, who was I talking to the other day? And I said, well, you know, one of the best things about the Twitter chat is you don't have to be present right then, right? Like you typically respond on a Monday. Um, and that's perfectly fine because one, it keeps the conversation going. Um, but two, you, you realize, Hey, I, I got something going on at seven o'clock on this Sunday, well, I can chime in at eight. I can chime in at nine. I can chime in at five in the morning on Monday. And it doesn't diminish what was already said. And it doesn't diminish anything that you put out. You just simply keeping the conversation going, you know, and I certainly try to make sure that questions don't get repetitive. And and, and obviously there, there's a degree to which you can express things in the amount of characters that we have without getting overly long winded. Um, you know, but I think for the most part, we, we, we do it and, and, uh, you know, opening it up to other people to, to jump in and host further supports and, and highlights, um, you know, those, those great coaches and those great minds out there. Um, but there is, there is this little kind of, you know, community in the world for Sunday night, whether you actively participate or you, you know, pick and choose what you want to chime in on. Um, you know, I, I, that's what you said. I, I try to provide enough opportunity for a variety of people, whether you're at the collegiate level, the professional level, the private sector, junior high, high school, you can find something to chime in on or, Hopefully you find somebody to connect with that ha that's doing something that you want to do, learn about, or is in a similar position that gives you, you know, an idea, hope, inspiration, whatever, to just continue to get better. Because ultimately all that was was just an avenue for me to reach other people you know, and, and go there. Cause this was, that was started before the, the, the idea of it was started before the world shut down. 
I actually pitched the idea to uh, to Nick Caduti when he was at Tomball, and he spoke at John Mitchell's uh, one. Of, I guess probably the last last one that Mitchell his clinic that he had when he was down in Corpus uh, Vets Memorial, and then uh, you know he leaves and goes with Cody to to Cy Woods and and uh, Caduti goes on to Fulcher. But, uh, you know, I was like, hey, man, you know, because I had already seen um, some of the ones that already existed for for football. Right. There's the there's a, there was a DB's one on Tuesday, uh, the hog one, O-line one on Monday. Uh, there's a, there was one on Wednesday that was just a general Texas high school football one, which is referred to as kind of like the, the the OG Twitter chat for for football. And um you know, I think initially I started the defensive line one because I didn't see a space for defensive line, and then I didn't see a space for strength coaches that was that was just there, right? That you could always go back to, and so that's that was the whole point of it was it was a place to trace back to ideas, um, you know. And initially I wanted to be great and compile all the responses and have it in a you know, in, in a central location and, and maybe one of these days when I have time, I'll go back and compile over the last three years. But, uh, you know, that, that's ultimately what the goal is, is, um, to, to allow people to find a common spot to have a discussion, um, hopefully in, in a productive and respectful manner. Um, you know, cause I think there's too many times there's too much, um, chest beating and uh and demeaning that goes on um and and i and obviously people see that in, in on, on social media and which we, we want to grow the profession but we also want to grow it in a positive way in a positive light and so when we go and speak in front of the powers that be um you know they don't want to hopefully they're not having to be able to point back to interactions and say why do we want this why do we want this negativity as a representation of our district um, and put you in a position um, versus, Hey, like what you talked about, the professional coach that's good here and there, you know, in multitude of places. Well, and, you know, you look at that and I mean, it, you know, social media is, you know, it's, it cracks you up sometimes, but like you'll see people on like Twitter. And that's one thing I like on yours is you're on Twitter, but it's, it is, like you said, it's respectful, but like, you'll hear, you'll see people just blast something that, uh, that, uh, Vern Gambetta, they'll blast him on there. Or they'll blast, uh, oh, heck, I'm drawing a guy from uh, Boston. Um, oh, uh, been around forever. Anyway, uh, old time, you know, one older time, old time, no, Doyle, Mike Doyle. And, you know, they'll, they'll blast those guys. And I'm like, do you, do you, I mean, some young cat, I'm like, do you realize that those guys forgot more when they were sleeping last night than you'll probably ever know? And you, and you're disrespecting somebody. And that always blew, just blew my mind that, so you may not agree with what he's saying, but, uh, I mean, they've got so many years of experience and, and, and observation data and stuff like that at a high level, everything from young to, to old and people, you know, they just, 
you know, Twitter. That's why sometimes I look at that stuff and there'll be blasts that guy. And I'm just like, you, you have no idea. You know, you're disrespecting one of the all-time greats in there and you're disregarding what the guy is saying, what he's saying. And, and the guys, I mean, <laughs> you're not even, you're, you're 30 years old and that dude's been doing it for 40 years. You were, weren't even a gleam in daddy's eye and he was doing it, you know? And uh, so that's what I like about yours that none of that stuff goes on. You know, people, people share, you know, it was a great example. Like, you know, Monty, Monty is more, uh, he's more of a West side guy than I am. I'm more of an only guy, but you know, like we can, we'll exchange ideas or I'll ask him something, you know, about, you know, whatever, uh, you know, and you know, it's like the other day I was asking, cause I don't, I've never used really used chains and bands because that wasn't a thing when I was growing up and it became a thing in the early two thousands, but I was already kind of established in doing more only, uh, only type movements and stuff. So I just said, you know, honestly, it was, I think it was on Facebook or whatever, but I asked, I asked Matt Park. Well, Matt, I've known Matt for a long time because he was, uh, assistant, Donnie's assistant at TCU when my boys played there and stuff. And so I've known Matt for a long time and, you know, through Missy and, and Bis being up there and stuff. And he, he explained, and I said, yeah, I understand. I, I understand the principles of it. I said, I just never have done it because. To me, I'm not going to just delve into something that I don't know that much about. You know, I'm going to either educate, but I, but I don't see, you know, I don't see it that I need to do both. So I'm, I'm already established with the Olympic stuff. That's what I'm going to focus on. But there was no like, well, you know, this is bad or anything like that. And, and Monty had put, you know, brought a couple thoughts in and Matt brought some stuff in. But that's what I like about, you know, we can do that and, and talk on there and we don't, we're not the, we're not from the same school of thought necessarily, but there's mutual respect. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's, you know, I told, uh, <clears throat> when, when coach Edwards went up there, he asked me, obviously, you know, would you entertain coming up. I said, you know, I can't, my wife's got a great job where she's had here. And, and, uh, I really don't want to move. I, there's not too many things in this world. I hate more than moving. And, uh, but he said, well, who would you recommend? And one of the first names out of my mouth was Monty, you know, because I think he's good at what he does. And I, but I told the coach, I said, he's a little bit different philosophy than I am. I said, but he's good at what he does. And then I also mentioned Matt, but Matt had just gotten on the beat, you know. But it's, it's um, you know, you can exchange ideas and not, you know, my way is the only way. And, you know, be act like an idiot. You know, that's what I like about your – your iron speed chat because you don't see the idiots on there. You know, they, they quickly are sh- sh- shuffled on out of there. Yeah. No, it's uh, <laughs> definitely, it's definitely holds a special place that, and I'm, I love that it's been a, a facilitator of, of information and, and an exchange of ideas. Um, you know, cause I think at the end of the day, what this society lacks so much of is just the ability to have the ability to agree to disagree and still have civil discussion and realize that there is not just one way uh, to do things. There's, there's a lot of different ways and we can all coexist uh, with different thought processes. As long as you give that other person respect and, you know, I, I'm, I'm extremely grateful that I, 
can reach out to you with any questions I have. Um, I, you know, before we even jumped on this, uh, this zoom, I was on the phone with Monty, you know, and to, to have someone of his caliber, ask me questions and ask me to, to verify and look at certain things. Um, you know, I, I feel like I'm unworthy, uh, cause I, I barely, I feel like I, I'm barely understanding what it means to be a strength coach. Um, you know, I, I've been a position coach and a sport coach for 14 years now. And, and I've always been around the weight room, but I feel like over the last five years, I've finally started to understand what it means to actually run the weight room. Um, you know, I, I know for a fact, some of my old programming, uh, when I was like a head boy soccer coach was atrocious. Um, you know, I was, I was a culprit of too many sets of 10 on big lifts thinking that that's what needed to be. And, you know, and, and I didn't ever teach the cleans before I got Olympic certified, but you know, it's definitely a growth. Um, and and you you didn't know better. No, that's the difference. There's, there's ignorance. That's not knowing. And then there's stupidity. No one is still doing. You didn't know there's stuff that I did when I started. I look back and I'm like, man, that was not good. But you didn't, you didn't know better. Now that you know better, you do better, you know, and you're constantly always trying to learn. You know, that's why, like Monty asked me, he said, well, you know, you go, he's asking you, obviously he respects your, your opinion or he wouldn't ask, you know, and, and, you know, that's kind of like in coaching. You'll see guys in coaching that like a junior high guy comes up and they can't talk to him. They're a worst. They can't talk to that guy's a junior high. If you'll talk to me, I'll talk to you because you can learn something. I'd never coached junior high in my life until I moved to Texas. And now I'll say it and I'll tell, I tell, I tell people that I'm known for, I, I got a number of people that I know that are NFL coaches. And I say stuff, and I'll say it to them, this, and I have before. You ain't a real coach until you coach seventh grade football. It's a fact. When that kid comes out with that butt pad in front, and you're like going, no. You know, you don't, I mean, the patience and the ability to break it down to square one. You know, uh, you know, people say, well, you know, you know the coach at that level, you, they're so leech. you got to, no, you, you let them play. You just stay out of their way. But, you, you know, the coach at seventh grade or whatever, you've got to break things down. So, I mean, I have utmost respect for people that are at the junior high level. Uh, you know, and I help. Uh, my old boss, Jack Welch, I had him speak at the TCU clinic on special teams. Uh, he's, he's spoken. Uh, Steve Crosby, who was a special teams coach for the Chargers, had him come out and talk to the Chargers about the punt game. He, you know where he learned his drills for punting? He'll tell you this straight out. He learned them from an old, junior high coach at Canyon Junior High in Canyon, Texas, when he was at West Texas State. He learned those drills, and that's the drills that he used. he's used ever since for 40 years. And he learned them from a junior high coach, and guess what? They're really good. And, you know, and he's had a number of punters go in the league and kickers and everything else. And then guy, this one of the special team coach from the Chargers has you come talk to the people, his people, you must be pretty good. You know, it goes back to you've got to being humble like that, you know, and that's what, you know, Monty was asking you. If he didn't value your opinion, he wouldn't ask. I mean, you know, I know that. And that's, you know, it's the same for any of us, you know. And, 
we have we have a you know and that speaks volumes that you're trying to learn and you're continuing to learn and you know that I mean because Monty I mean I guarantee you know I mean he's up in that circle Kyle Keys uh, Matt Parker David Neal Missy all those people up there you know they talk all the time they're bouncing stuff when you know not necessarily just about strength even about just people. And, and understanding people and, and how to handle it. Missy calls me. We, you know, we, I visited, I called her about something this week. But, you know, I, you know, some people all, you know, she, she learned from me. So I can't, no, you, you learn. You, and I call, you know, I call people all, all sorts of different people. Hey, what are you doing with that? I saw you post that. Tell me about it. You know, and that's the whole thing. It's, it's good, good people that know what they're doing are humble. They have humility. Because they know, they don't know it all, and and it's like people say, well, you know, you, you know I've, I've been doing it a long time because I've been doing it a long time. I'm better in the last five years than I was for the previous ten before that because I've had time to research and study and stuff like that. So, well, Coach Brock, I appreciate your time. I appreciate everything that you've done for the profession and. Um, you know, just being a resource and, and somebody that I can go to and ask questions about. And I look forward to continuing our relationship and you know, just continuing to uh, to grow and, and learn. If you can still grow and learn, then that means I can, too. And, and you know, until the point where we we don't want to grow and learn anymore, I think we're going to keep on going and you know, ultimately make each other better and make these kids better. No doubt. Well, I appreciate you having me on, and I look forward to seeing you in, in uh, July. Yes, sir.